Authors, a podcast where two friends share tips and experiences from our own writing journeys. Okay, welcome back to the Aspiring Authors podcast, everyone. Anyone who is out there? Uh, welcome, welcome. So we were chatting last week about the love interest, um, which was lots of fun. I really enjoyed that. And this week, we're going <laughs> to chat about the antagonist. So, yes. Haley, on you go. What's an antagonist? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, an antagonist is a person or a force who actively opposes or is hostile towards the main character. So it's their adversary. So we're talking about um, the different forms of an antagonist can be. Um, So with that in mind, is the antagonist in your story a person or a force against your main character, Lorna? So the, the two books I've been writing, the first one... No, there is no real antagonist apart from the protagonist. This is going to get so confusing. Apart from the main character and what is going on in their head and how they are a bit self-destructive, it's more them. That's the force. And with the second book that I'm writing, that I'm editing now, uh, there is... There is an antagonist, but they don't, they're not, um, like, fully formed from the get-go. You know, they're not there from the beginning that they form. There's a part of the story, they're the antagonist, but then another part of the story, it's the, the main character as well. It's their issues, what they put on themselves. Self-doubt. It's their conflicts. Yeah. yeah. So there is a slight... Um, antagonist that I've got just to kind of push push the story along and get get things going um what about you I think you have don't you you've got an antagonist yes yeah so I have um yeah I've definitely got an antagonist in my first book um and actually yeah I've got quite a forceful antagonist in all my books really and it's not who you think at the beginning and then the character develops and becomes an antagonist. But there is another form that there's um, a relationship with a family member that's an adversary to the main character as well, that is a dri- driving force. So you've kind of got one main one, but also one of the B story driving the emotional side of it that's an underlying so I think it's the different layers that you can get I think and you've got as we're about to speak if you've got like a domineering kind of antagonist or if you've got more of a subtle one that drives the plot forward I think it's quite good I kind of automatically wrote the antagonist as it is and you kind of have that dominating side but yeah to write a story where it's a bit more subtle interesting um so you you knew that when you were starting to write you wanted to have the the baddie you wanted to have that within a person yeah i think i kind of it came out of the character development and the plot and what the main character goes through yeah i think i definitely did kind of just come up with it kind of this bad person I didn't want to give too much away. Um, I know. And the yeah. story and everything. So it's, yeah, I did, it definitely came out during the plotting process. So is the antagonist always the villain of the story? So like what you were saying before, yours is a lot more subtle. It wouldn't be... Yes. Would you always think of an antagonist as a villain? No, and... Um... A film has just sprung to mind, actually. Um, I know we're going to chat about films in a wee while. But an example of, I can think of, is The Devil Wears Prada, where the Meryl Streep character is, you know, the baddie, the antagonist. Yeah. 
But then that changes through the story and then she becomes, you can relate to her a bit more and she is not that threat. And I'm trying to think who was that threat in the yeah. end of the film. It Was it herself? It was herself. It was the main character. It was what she was, she was kind of self-destructing with her relationship, I believe. Oh, geez, I need to go and watch it again. Oh, darn. <laughs> the antagonist changed. And no, they don't always need to be the, the villain throughout it. Um, also, another one I was, um, I chatted to you about this um, earlier was one of my favourite, um, one of my favourite stories is Little Women. And with her, yes. it's, there's no baddie, there's no antagonist in a form of a person. It's really her. And at the time when this this was going on, you know, with lack of feminism or lack of women doing anything really for that matter. Um yeah. that that's it was all Joe. Her being frustrated, being in a woman's body and frankly that was enough to be an antagonist. It was it was her. Yeah. I would see I would say the antagonist in that situation is society. Yeah. So society is a driving force against Joe and the other I mean, women, they talk about um, the place that they have lack of freedom, they have lack of choices, that um, they're forcing themselves against society, that Joe wants to um, rebel against it in a way by being herself, that she won't marry just because she's deemed it or society wants it or that is expected of her that she wants to find her voice so but in a yeah, way she does the, conform what's driving forward and opposes it mm. she yeah but in her own terms in her own terms she doesn't do it on but now terms. i'm thinking she does it on her own terms because the the love interest he um you know i love this i'm just seeing a different angle right now as we talk um he encouraged her to write in a different style in a different way and I know he was saying you know what's your voice write in your your who you are and um it then after he had said that it wasn't fully from that but that you know it encouraged her to look at that side of things and so she kind of did what the man said <gasps> terrible and then married him but other than that I love love that story. I <laughs> know <laughs> I'm just seeing just seeing yeah, different thing, different avenues you could go down to criticize it. You do, but in if you think of it like initially when um, Joe was being asked that she didn't want they didn't want what she wanted to write. They wanted her to write the like the guts and murder and a little bit of horror and thriller. Oh, she liked writing that's that. That's what was selling. So she wrote that, she did, but that she was writing that because it sold, that that's what gave her money that she could send home. Mm. Her real voice was the Little Women book. So it is that, and I think it's just because they sometimes have the happy ending doesn't mean that the antagonist wins. It's more the antagonist is just that driving force to mm. get to that conclusion, for her to find her voice, to fall in love the way that she wants to and with a guy that she wants to. So I think it's not always um, good versus evil and that um, evil has to win or good has to win kind of thing. I think it's just, it's that force or that person that's pushing the main character to realise what their need is within the story not just what they want but what they need and it's driving both the a story and the b story to that point so i think even if like the devil were harder in the end meryl streep isn't as much of a baddie as you think it's still getting um the woman the main character to the point where she's finding her voice she's comfortable with who she is mm -hmm. that she can step back and be a writer or this, that, the other. See what she so wants. That, yeah, that it doesn't have to be that massive battle at the end, that the antagonist can develop and change and kind of redraw a little bit, but they push the story enough along to get to that point. So I think it's... 
I think because the next bit we're um, talking about is that in fairy tales when you grow up, especially where, like I was talking about this with both the main character, the protagonist, and the love interest and everything. And I keep going back to it because I've got a little daughter at the moment watching loads of Disney. But you see the early kind of Disney films that you see the main villain, the main antagonist is the evil queen, is the evil stepmother, is this um, nasty octopus. It's the definition and stereotype of what an antagonist is to the point where they have to conquer them by killing them. <laughs> there is a lot of death in early Disney. I've realised this. But it has to be to the point where that you've got that conclusion, that battle at the end, that good conquers evil by killing them, defeating them and everything like that. So I think when you don't have that str- such a strong contrast that you have a more subtle antagonist, you don't see the big opposite, the opposing force. Like in your story, it's mm. not a big evil antagonist, but it's enough of an antagonist to drive the story forward. It's mm. enough of an adversary um, against your character. It, but then do they have to be a stereotypical villain now? That's the point. Uh, no, antagonist. no. If you have... But like with kids... With no. kids' um, cartoons and Disney, they've got to make it quite simple. This is bad. We don't want to give them too much of a backstory or kind of feel sympathetic to them. So they're bad and they're just bad, okay? So we just want to go boo whenever they're on the, the screen. Like with um, <laughs> Cinderella. <laughs> like Cinderella. Yes. Um, what's the story? The, the There's an evil queen, is there? And she's just bitter um, about Cinderella because she's beautiful. Cinderella is an evil stepmother. Evil stepmother. Okay, evil that's stepmother. it. Um, <laughs> but um, so it's kind of just like a ba- the storyline's quite basic. You don't know too much about the evil stepmother. Just that she's got the daughters, and they all pick on Cinderella. But the adaption of that story, um, Ever After, starring Drew Barrymore, which I love and. Actually, I'm going to watch that again soon. Love that adaption. But with that... <laughs> it is very good. It's so good. But with that, they um, delve into the stepmother's... Uh, they ca- they make her sympathetic at one stage. You know, she's very nasty. But yes. then they catch her at a really uh, emotional moment where you see that she actually loved Cinderella's father. And he didn't maybe return the love as much as she had wanted because he focused all all of his attention, all of his love on Cinderella. So you sympathise with her. And I just thought that that was brilliantly done. But with the the original, we don't see that. We're just meant to consider them as bad and that's easy and you can just score that off when you're watching it. Yeah. I think that's the thing, though. If you look at um, the bodies now... Is that is that do they need to have a justification for their actions? Mm. Do they need to be? If you read stories and novels now, it's more of a. They are bad, but. It's because of this. It's however, this has happened to them in their past, and I think I, was when I was writing mine and everything. I didn't want to just have this um, pantomime baddie, strong antagonist without a justification. Yeah, without having a justification, because there is no good versus evil. Everyone, mm. I mean, every good person has a hint of evil in them, and everyone who's done something wrong in their lives, there's some trigger, there's some justification that got them to that point. No one's mm-hmm. born and walking evil. Yeah, um, and maybe. There might be a couple, but there is no... There's always a path that gets them to that point. So in that in everyday story now, do we need to have that justification behind a villain, behind an antagonist, no matter if they're a strong one or 
a more weaker behind mm. the scenes kind of force. I think so. I think the the reader, the viewer wants to get inside the head of the uh, antagonist in some way because you want it's not like you want to yeah. identify but you need to kind of understand because then otherwise you I find I can't get involved I need to feel yeah that I can relate to it in some ways and another good example is the Bond film James Bond film uh, Skyfall you know with Javier oh, Bardem yes. Yeah, but um, yeah, he was a good villain because you, um, he was horrible. But then you saw that he was just another spy, the same as James Bond, and who he was working for, which was um, oh yeah, I know. Uh, oh yeah, spoilers. Sorry, um, I won't go too much into it. But but you see that he was betrayed. And he really paid the price. And so he is very angry about how he was treated. So that's him retaliating. And, you know, he maybe went too far. You know, you're entitled to your own opinion. Um, But, yeah, so I I thought he was a very good um, example of a modern-day villain. Yeah, he was dealing with his own trauma. And Mm -hmm. so he decided to act revenge on the people who cause that trauma. Exactly. So it's that it gets to when you look at it from that point of view, um, from the antagonist, it's just like, who's the actual antagonist? Is it the people that inflicted the trauma onto him and how mm. they treated him? Um, or is it the persons then acting the revenge? So. I think that's a bit that people like to question, isn't it? And then get involved in. Um, especially with um, today's day and age when we know so much about more psychotherapy and psychology and looking into human behaviour and everything. I think there is no stereotype of anything. I think you can really kind of switch the story around and have a look yes. to see, right, who's actually the more evil intent in this story is actually is it your protagonist or antagonist and that's an example of the james bond as well if you switched it around yeah, exactly. and you had um the javier bordem character he was the main character and james bond was the antagonist it could very well be because they are both spies and who really is a goodie yeah. doesn't mean that great britain exactly is always a goodie no way so yeah. um <laughs> yeah, that that's a very good point you made. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's good to have that kind of in your mind when you're starting to plot and story arc your um your beats or your story however you follow it, the plotting. I think if you look at the actual story arc of your main characters but also their backstory. I mean, you don't have to explain the backstory in the story because that would probably be too much information, but if you know it, then you can drip feed other elements to it. And I think it's giving them an insight, especially when um, when you're writing from different people's points of view, the different POVs, you can have an element, especially if it's third person, from the different characters and stuff and so you can kind of I did that in my first one is that you start to see into the mindset of this person and so of all the different people involved and how they got to that point not one person is completely responsible uh yes and I kind of I'm doing that kind of now with the, the the antagonist character um I am writing from their point of view I like that because you are going into why they are um you know what what's their backstory but again you don't want to go too much into their backstory because then the reader will be like oh well I quite like them I understand where they're coming from and they don't seem like remotely the baddie in any way so I think there's a fine line between how much 
in information and sympathetic you make them. You can only really drip feed them, just kind of touching on it, because you don't want the reader to to be rooting for the baddie. Yeah, Have you but... ever rooted for the baddie in any story? I'm trying to think of an example. Oh, I oh, um... there's a Philippa Gregory one. Um, I'm just looking at her books. They're looking at me. Uh, there's a Philippa Gregory. I think it was a Spanish princess, and. The sister, uh, the sister of Henry goes up to Scotland and marries the king there. And I think oh, she was meant to be yeah. seen as, I think she was meant to be seen as the baddie, but I kind of um, related to her a lot more. Um, I don't know, that's maybe a weak one. I'm sure there is a baddie out there that is good. <laughs> a baddie that is good. An antagonist that is very appealing but I can't think anyway yeah I think it's I think it's good to understand where the antagonist is coming from I mean one of my favorite ones is that I go back to is the Hunger Games I like the concept I like the the fact that it's the battle and it's um but it's the antagonist there is the government and President Snow. So you've got two different forms of antagonists in the same one. So you've got the actual government that they've formed and the control and the rules, the fact that they say you have to sacrifice a child into a bloody Hunger Games and the one who wins is the leader, kind of um, triumphant. Um, But you've also got the person of President Snow and how did he get there and what he had to do to get to that position and his beliefs because to him he believes he's doing the right thing by actually controlling the um, the districts he he's creating order and people are happy they're getting paid they're getting fed and everything like that so he's got a justification for his action and the government is a result of rebellion control and war so but you've also got the different you've got Katniss Everdeen kind of you've got all the different contestants yeah so you've also got yeah you've got the contestants in there as well who are fighting and being quite evil so you've got lots of different kind of antagonists Mm. in that point but the the two main ones would be the government and they're the ones who take you through the whole arc of the trilogy so you've got mm. different one antagonists within the story, especially if you're doing series. You've got a main antagonist within the story, but you've also got a main one that carries through this um, the whole series, and it's the main ultimate battle that will get you through it in the end. So, yeah, it's, it's similar hard. to Harry Potter then, because the ma- the main antagonist is Voldemort. <gasps> Dare we say his yes. name? Um, but with it, so that's the whole entire thing. But from individual films, you know, there's always different antagonists, like whether it's um, Draco Malfoy or his father, yes. whatever, Mr. Yeah. Malfoy. And the Dudleys, uh, initially they were um, the antagonists, but you don't really hear of them after um, the first two. or um, And... With oh, Mr. Finch, Mr. Finch was a slight one, and Snape, yeah. And then with each um book, there are different antagonists on top of those as well that are th- posing threats. That then you see behind it all is Voldemort. Um, so yes. yeah, it's kind of similar in the sense that there's just loads, yeah, loads I of think it's having that main body and I think yeah you kind of you're introducing the first one that is Voldemort but then it's different forms of Voldemort and the other books coming through and his influence over them so he's the main ultimate one that carries through the series and that you know how he has to defeat at the end and everything of the ultimate good versus evil but yeah within that as his continuous battle and his character development and personality and everything he's got various different forms of um adversaries yeah because if it was just Voldemort okay if it was just him then you'd just be waiting for him to show up and it'd probably be at the end of each book which it is but it would be a bit boring then whereas all these other people are as you said they're giving us a story 
and driving it to to Voldemort, but yeah, giving us a bit more entertainment on the way because if it was just one villain, then yeah, it'd be a bit boring. Yeah, I think it's having the ca- additional characters in that create conflict and build the main protagonist's character arc. And I think it's having that obstacles in the way that they need to keep developing, especially over series. I think it's slightly different if it was just like a one-off film. Then you would have a couple of people that create these obstacles whilst they're trying to defeat the main antagonist. And then you would have the big battle at the end and that's it. But over a series, you need to have that longevity. You have to have the end game in sight. In the meantime, you have to have additional characters kind of creating that conflict that he keep, they keep opposing him, knocking him down so he doesn't get too far along the journey. And then they keep bringing him back and he triumphs over them. And then it's a game of tennis, really, isn't it? So what makes a good antagonist? Um, I think you need to have conflict, feed the narrative, as we were saying, and then um, be focused on what they want as their driving force, and they need to be driven by want, so that I think maybe it conflicts with the protagonist's need. What do you think makes a good one? If you were reading a book at the moment, what would be your key points for the antagonist? Hmm. So the one I'm reading at the moment has two antagonists at the moment, two big ones. Um, and what do I like about them? Well, the, they're actually very different to one another. They're both kings. This is a fantasy novel I'm reading. Uh, they're both kings, but one you can see is trying, thinks he's doing the right thing, but he's kind of getting misled uh, by advisors and the other one is just pure evil he's just there is nothing <laughs> about him that is appealing apart from he's meant to be very good looking um, so <laughs> I wonder what the yeah what the writer was going for with with that making them that you can identify with one of them and the other one you just can't um, kind of like the Game of Thrones prince he was just there was nothing nice about him but a good as we were saying earlier a good strong backstory for you to feel like you can relate to them in some way and see where they're coming from um i think that makes a good baddie and makes them more appealing like um i have heard that the antagonist the villain and the main character are actually very like the same person, but with different agendas or different visions, a goal, a focus, an aim. So I, I found that fascinating because another example is if anyone watches Poldark, they, the main character and the antagonist, they are pretty similar but the antagonist does not like uh, Poldark they went to the same school they got the same education but Poldark um, is from a family with well, well was from an old family name that had wealth and the antagonist whose name is George Warleggan he was like him as well but he maybe wasn't from the old fam the old family name and he had to work his way up and become a banker or um yeah whatever it is within the finance so he was able to get power but he's jealous of Poldark and he wants to be Poldark and Poldark hates him but it is that they are quite similar yeah i would definitely yeah. say so their characters they're both are... very proud yes yeah, um, but the way in which they see the world, because Poldak was had this more comfortable background, um, he mm-hmm. has this righteousness about him. He has this um, 
rose-tinted glasses in a sense. He fought a war and, and he's got that, I will fight for the man and I will be a protector. Be- People look up to him. Yeah, he's a, been a master, he's a, been authoritarian. But he's, but then George War Legging is, he's been envious of him. He's became bitter mm. of it. He's jealous he of it. That. So mm. for, yeah, he wants to be his equal. And so to get that, he has to scrape and climb and clamber up this ladder and he's willing to do anything to get to that point to get to to become his equal if not better so that Paul Dark is wanting to go and seek him out and I think it's the way and if you've been scrambling and you're going from the bottom to the top and you've got that end goal in sight that you it's like it's a saying, isn't it, that be nice to the people when you're going up the ladder because they're the people you'll see coming down again. So it's, but he's not willing to do that. He's just like, I will destroy anyone who gets in my way because yeah, this he's is very my main ruthless. Goal. This is my main, yeah. And so I think you're right. They're both proud. They're both goal focused. And, and love the because, same woman. Yes. That never helps. Um, <laughs> no, it doesn't. But... That's a bit complicated. <laughs> but it's also, it's because of your backstory on George Warlegging, you kind of understand the character, why he's doing that, he's getting to that point. You don't condone it, his behaviour. Um, maybe some people do. Maybe some people see it from his point of view and think, oh, Paul Dack's just a um, righteous person I was gonna say something else then um and he yeah he's just snooty he's looking down at people George is has to fight for who he is so I think it's also from the reader's point of view or the audience point of view what background they've had that influences them to that point that their own personal point of view and agendas like what you said earlier with if the story was flipped round and yeah. George Warlegan was the main character and Paul Dark was the antagonist. That would that would be a very interesting too. That that storyline because Paul Dark could be everyone. You could see it from the angle that everyone loves him and uh, he 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 makes his own rules and he's snobby and snooty to um, people like George, who will he will never see them as his equal. But yet again, he'll defend. Like peasants and anyway, oh my god, you could really go into it. It's um, but I think uh, yeah, he's he's very good um antagonist as well. Hmm, I'm I'm rethinking a lot now with how I've been writing. Yeah, that's good. It's yeah. good. Like it's good. It's, I think it's good to have this conversation. It's good to have that kind of debate, um, of what yes and you don't want to be a stereotype you don't want to kind of just put everything into a box and tie it with a ribbon and say that's it you do want people to question your characters and to say right okay for goodness sake stop doing this because it will get you to that point but you're still reading because that's the page turner isn't it even in your protagonist Mm. it's like why are you behaving like that you know it's not going to work um but you can see the threads unfold but you makes you want to read it or you've got the different angles of the characters or you go oh okay so that's why that person's behaving in that way oh I can understand that now oh that's a shame and then they do something horrendous and they go oh okay no no there's no justification for that so it's that kind of bittersweet isn't it you've got the yin yang bittersweet contrast I think that you need to have in a story now um, and mm. I don't think it's always like it is if it's character driven then I think it's it's great to have that but then so many people have the antagonist is nature and they have to fight against nature to survive and that's the driving mm. force or if it's society or the government kind of thing that you can see where it's developed and it's got to that point um or how it should be changing and how it will be if it's historical then you've got that 
element as well. So it depends if it's character-driven antagonist or if it's more nature or like in so many futuristic dystopian futures that the world is barren and we've been wiped out by this we've got zombies attacking us and everything so it depends where you kind of who's your antagonist what angle you bring it from but i think if it's character driven then i don't think stereotype one really works i mean compare it to um we've been giving modern day examples but um, a more of a period drama one that's written like 200 years ago um, We Both Love North and South by Elizabeth Gaskell um, and in that you would say the antagonist is society but it's also Mrs Thornton as well which is kind of the love interest mother so how would you describe it? So Mrs. Thornton, yes, she is uh, an antagonist towards Margaret, the main character. But I think Margaret is also her own antagonist as well. Because you can see she is falling in love with Mr. Thornton, but she's not giving in or... She's too proud and she has that first opinion of him and that that is just, you know, she, she... I don't know what it is. She just doesn't trust him fully or there's there's just some... There's something holding her back. And um, so she I would say she is. She's prejudiced towards him, I think. She's her own worst enemy and um, the mother as well. Yeah. Because I think if the mother kind of supported Mr. Thornton, kind of falling in love with her and everything like that, then it would be a different angle. It would be welcomed in maybe in a different way. But because she mm. doesn't like the match, she doesn't like Margaret Hale because she thinks she's hoity-toity and looks down on her son, she drips in words of discontent and conflict and go you can't have her and everything like that and as soon as Margaret kind of rebukes Mr Thornton she's the first one to say right I told you so (laughs) so I think it's that but then it's also I think it's society and government as well is um, the antagonist because she's coming from a certain society of the south going up to the north she doesn't know this alien environment that she's coming into and the rules and the decorum and the fact that it's fast-paced it's the new industrial revolution is coming into effect and that in itself is kind of an antagonist towards margaret hale because she has to come over overcome that adversary to find her own feet, to find out where she belongs, but also to find this inner strength that she didn't realise she had because she was very wishy-washy beforehand. I think it's, yeah, it's looking at it from that point of view that there is no dominant um, antagonist. You have got these driving forces and you have got these conflicts um, situation. But there is no stereotype villain who's in the forefront going, hate me, I'm the bad guy, kind of thing. It's, there is lots of little subtle... Wearing a cloak and lurking in the shadows. On a different note, we never spoke about this last week when we were discussing the love interest because he's a very good one of the love interest because he is very passionate about Margaret and yet she is so kind of all right okay um she's just like calm and cool about it all and that's what annoys me about um if we're hearing it from the woman's point of view kind of they make the 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 opposite sex the man uh really intense and passionate and then she's not as much 
Whereas what I was saying last week, I like to know that the woman is just as into him as he is into her. Uh, but anyway, yeah. that if you want to hear about love interests, go to our last podcast because we yes. get down and dirty. No, we don't. We, uh, <laughs> we just talk about stories. Our <laughs> ideal men. Hmm. <laughs> It's certainly not him out of North and South. Nope, nope, nope. Um, so what <laughs> tips do you have, Haley, to write a good antagonist? Okay, so um, my tips for um, writing a good antagonist, I think for me is, number one, give them an unsavory goal. If we're going for... Um, either a dominant antagonist or a kind of an underlying antagonist I think they need to have an unsavory goal towards the um the protagonist the main character so whether or not they are like we talked about Mrs. Thornton she's kind of a more backstory antagonist but her unsavory goal towards Margaret Hale is that she doesn't want her son to marry him so she is creating that conflict in conversations um or you've got a damn right out evil person like lord voldemort who just wants to kill everyone so it's or you've got number two make your antagonist backstory believable i think either way either they want to conquer the world or if they just don't want their son to marry the um the woman I think you have to give them that justification we're talking about. Make it believable. Give a kind of a hint of their backstory. You don't have to go into the full depth. But I think give them that idea of it. Um, Number three, make your um, antagonist Misty's require action. So I think they need to create that action, that driving force that makes them react. So it's... Um, like, okay, we were talking about Harry Potter, Voldemort wanting to take over the world and he tries to um, acquire certain items, like in the first one, the Philosopher's Stone, he's trying to require this. So he um, creates action into the story which makes Harry react to it who tries to conquer it, who tries to stop him and everything. I think you need to, it needs to create movement in your story that makes the protagonist drive forward and makes everything kind of move forward to get to that conclusion, to learn what they want, what they need and everything. Um, Number four is how do you outwit them? So how do they overcome them? How do they get around that person? How do they outthink them? How do they plot and move around it? Do they outwit them or don't they? But why? Um, Five, what power do they have to hold over the other character? So do they have a power over them? So like with Harry Potter, Voldemort kills his parents. So it's that kind of trigger, that backstory that Harry's always got that, he could kill me, um, that vulnerability, you mentioned his parents and he might crumble, and it's that person, he killed my parents, I need to defeat him, and all that jazz and everything. So it's, or is it a subtle power? The power, like we're talking north and south and everything, that you've got... Mrs. Thornton, her power is her influence over her son. So if she wants this woman to marry him, she will give a blessing. If she doesn't want this woman to marry him, she will create conflict and unrest in that situation. So it's that power they have over them, whether or not it's bold or if it's subtle. Number six, Vernon um, one, is that don't make it too easy. I think... When you're having your big battles, whether or not it's a, um, a subtle antagonist or it's a bold antagonist, don't make the battle too easy. Give them. I think if you give them everything of the other points, the action, the backstory and everything like that, the justification, I think it will create more conflict and 
more um, smaller obstacles that they have to overcome before they get to the big obstacle. So I think it will make it a lot harder for them to trudge through the story and find out what they need. Because I think if they just turn around and say, oh yeah, Voldemort's back, I'm just going to kind of go where he's hiding and just kill him now and everything like that, then it's just too easy. You need to have those barriers in place. I think they, sorry, that's a really long one, but they are my tips. What would you add to it? Um, so they were great tips. There was about what three hundred and forty there. <laughs> they were good though. So One thousand six hundred in. So that is great and something I'll I'll look at more in depth as well when I'm writing my antagonist, because as I was saying, I I'm not solely focused on the antagonist as a person but yes as a some other force um and I think maybe that could be my yeah something I need to work on because I just don't like too much conflict (laughs) when I'm reading books and stuff I don't like it to be I, I like I love the the fun and games part in a book I always want yeah. it to go on a bit more. Um, I just like, I, I just don't want it to be too doom and gloom straight away. I know there's different levels of how the conflict could be. So I guess I'm always quite reluctant to just be thinking of the antagonist, a villain, um, what's bad, what badness is going to happen. Uh, but... Uh, to drive the story, I know I need to be looking at this a bit more in depth, um, especially while I'm editing now. I don't have that many tips, so that's me saying this is why I don't have them that many tips because I'm still getting familiar with the whole antagonist thing. Even just us t- um, saying we're going to talk about it this week, I was quite, oh, God, what am I going to say? Because I have no idea. Um but tips, so I would say um, the villain needs... the. I'll just say the villain. It's too, too much work saying antagonist all the time. The villain needs to believe in what they're doing so that they're focused on some agenda, whatever that may be. If it's, um, I don't know, destroying something of the main character, um, main character's life or... Something that they're focused on. Um, and also with, yeah, giving them the backstory, what their what their story would be. Um, perhaps if you wrote down kind of summarizing what the the villain, how what their backstory is, how the story starts for them, the middle and the end. And just kind of see where their story goes and how that compares to the main character. If that's of any help, I would have thought that that could be quite useful to do when you're originally um, writing out your story. And yeah, just to bear in mind that the, the villain is pretty similar to the main character. So um, yeah, they have similar qualities. So I would say to bear that in mind when you're writing them. Um, you know, why, how do they know each other? What have they got in common? Um, yeah, to, to list all that down as well when you're writing. Um, uh, maybe bullet points on them. Um, so yeah, it's quite scatty, that one. Recommendation time. Go Haley with your recommendation song. This week I would recommend is she's also a website and a podcast and they're not too long, they're about ten to twenty minutes long and everything, but she does little snippets about writing tips and it's the helping writers become authors. Um I kinda can stumbled across it as I was researching and everything and it's really good, even if you've just got ten minutes 
or something you can just put it on the background but her articles are really good and she's written a couple of books about writing as well um so yeah that's what i would recommend as an overall character plot developing helping aid so yeah definitely check her out what would your recommendations be um cool that sounds good i will check her out I recommend a lady called Ellen Brock and she is a freelance novel editor and she's got a blog on tips about writing, editing um, but she's also got a YouTube channel where she um, talks about um, tips on editing and writing as well. Um, Lots of videos out there um, of her. But the the one I'd recently watched was Tips on Writing an Antagonist, which I found very helpful. Um, Yeah, it's just her and the camera, and she's got a nice kind of gentle voice. Uh, But as I said, she also has a blog. So if you're not wanting to watch, then um, check out her blog. And that's Ellen Brock, B-R-O-C-K. Awesome. Well... Hayley, where can people find us? (laughs) You can find the Aspiring Authors podcast on um, Apple and Spotify. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That will really help us um, getting out there a bit more and a bit more notice. Um, Tell your friends, tell your family. Um, Also... You can find us on Twitter at Aspiring Author Pod. Send us a message, send us a tweet, tell us what kind of antagonist you like, who's your ideal love interest, and just, or if you've got a question to ask, throw that to us and we'll answer it on the show. Um, so, yeah, we'll speak to you soon then. Thank you for listening. Bye. aspiring authors you can find us on twitter at aspiring authors pod credit goes to josh woodward for our theme music once tomorrow